This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kine. Hi, I'm Mike Kafkin. Thank you very much, Lance, for inviting me for the podcast. Sure. I've been in IT world uh, over 25 years, engaging in every facet of uh, software development, implementation at all levels. I've been in the first batch of uh, kind of agile followers. Uh, I work with US Bank, United Health Group, and two consultancies, including uh, EPAM, where currently I play the role of the manager of technology services, DevTestSecOps. This series with Coach Mike Kovkin started in episode 113. Go search up the show archive to catch up if you've missed those episodes. And uh, with that, I, uh, I have a great experience uh, using uh, BDD. I was at the forefront of the whole kind of BDD and shift left notion and probably one of the first to implement the whole vision and the concept. And they were templatizing the uh, shift left within safe five, which, which works for our clients and for us. How is doing BDD in safe different from other agile contexts? Safe itself is the um, kind of effective substitution for traditional SDLC. And what I personally like in safe is the way kind of straightforward, top-down decomposition roadmap from strategic themes to epics that becomes your MVP to to features or capabilities to the user stories. And and idea in BDD that you have to derive not just to any user story. Anyone can write user story, but the art is here to come to those small batches, small vertical slices or invest stories that can be captured as Gherkin happy path. And that grossly simplifies uh, the life and, and BDD execution and manageability and maintainability of the, of the whole cucumberization process. Make it so straightforward. And that's how you actually deliver value as a value stream. Okay. And this is where Kanban, Kanban will shine. In safe, like full safe, it incorporates more of a bigger picture. Now, using BDD across that full safe hierarchy, how does that work when we start at the top of full safe down to, uh, all the way down to the team? The idea is shift left. This concept of shift left, it does start with a development team because that's the last step before, well, before it goes to production. And so the idea of shift left means if you look at a, a timeline from the left side all the way over to the right side, development's on the far right side. That's the last step before it becomes real, before the software becomes reality. So when we use the term shift left, that means when we try to take those practices that build quality in the rightmost part of that timeline and start pulling it over to the left. And the further left we go, the more comprehensive quality is built in. This is what's meant by shift left. We start shift left 
from test in front of development, right? So, the, but that's at the delivery team level. If you are talking about safe, we, ho- we have the whole product management hierarchy and structure, starting with portfolio ownership, all the way down to program management, to the user stories, to delivery teams. On the far left on, of a full safe enterprise, we start with the portfolio management where Epic owners work with enterprise architects to plan out the epics that will be implemented by the organization. After that, we have the enterprise solution delivery, which is there's some kind of solution that can solve or and deliver things to help those Epic owners. And that is worked on or planned out by solution architect or engineers, solution management, and a solution train engineer. Now we go into another step. We're getting closer to the right side now, where we have the agile product delivery teams, which are supported by system architect store engineers, release training engineers, and product management. And then we finally get to the far right, which are the individual teams. Those are the many layers we need to go through when we talk about shifting from the right to the left. So we apply the same concept of shift left at every at every state of um, a safe hierarchy. So we build tests into the uh, epics. We build tests into capabilities. We build tests into the features that allow us to um, to build the level of uh, sufficiency and, and kind of create the integrated process that logically moves from one state to another to another using all the knowledge we accumulate through those tests. And those tests are actually the scenarios there in the the EPIC and at the feature levels we create mainstream scenarios that pertain to this particular item. And in addition to those scenarios, we use the technique called examples mapping where we map specific examples to these scenarios. I've put a link to Matt Wynn's description of examples mapping in the show notes. In addition to that, we also apply some design criteria that part of the, is part of architecture runway and some other um, design artifacts that require to substantiate the knowledge at the low layers. And as we derive from epic to feature, from feature to user story, that allow us to to get to that small batches that I can continuously insist on or invest stories that can be very easily gerkinized and kind of push it through cucumberization as a Kanban uh, kind of one item pass through, which is the most efficient way to deliver value stream. Mike mentioned epics. Epics are the highest big idea in the organization. Epics typically take multiple departments or portfolios of a company working together in order to fully deliver a solution. An example of this would be the digital key for Hilton Hotels. The digital key is a hardware change in actual hotel locations, as well as being an IT change and requiring servers and software. Epics are broke down into features or capabilities 
The differences between features and capabilities are related to organizational structure. Capabilities require multiple release trains in order to implement a solution. After features, then we have user stories. And Mike mentioned user stories that fit the invest model. There is a link in the show notes for what the invest model is. So you keep bringing up Kanban as the most efficient way. Fullsafe talks about using Kanban at the portfolio level, and it talks about at the feature level as well for tracking uh, progress in that tier. And then when you get down to the team level, are you saying maybe Kanban's a better choice than Scrum? It depends how you structure your art or or what is the relation between the arts. What are these arts? Arts stand for Agile Release Train. Remember the difference between capabilities and features? Capabilities require multiple Agile Release Trains in order to implement the functionality. If a single Agile Release Train can handle it, then it's called a feature. What's an Agile Release Train? That's a group of delivery teams who are working together to deliver features. Agile release trains are an organizational structure that's attempting to reduce dependencies between teams. So those on the Agile release train are hopefully organized in a logical way to reduce dependencies to those outside the Agile release train. Of course, how many teams on the art? For example, I have great experience that not all the teams created equal on the art. They still kind of integrate to larger code base, but they use the different um, kind of streaming of, uh, of value. Some 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 can do it on a on a traditional Scrum, maybe one week sprint, maybe two week sprint, and some still using Kanban. So it's kind of crisscross environment. They still meet at the PI, but. What's important to understand that in shift left BDD, you come into PIP, which is a PI planning, in a completely different shape than you come in traditional prescriptive shape. That many definitions because of because of shift left because you incorporate tests and examples in your upstream they're so well defined and and so kind of structurally prioritized and integrated that you can freely uh, build your product backlogs with those invest stories and, and with working acceptance scenarios up front so you come into PIP in a, in a very good shape PIP stands for Program Increment Planning, which is typically done in a big room with all of the teams on the same Agile release train. To frame it in a different way, it's sort of like sprint planning, but for a bunch of teams at the same time. When people refer to PIP, they simply say PIP. My recommendation is, for example, build the first sprint backlog, if you're still doing traditional sprint, up to 80% of invest user stories with Gherkin acceptance scenarios. The second uh, sprint backlog, uh, 50%, and the third one also 50%. This is kind of proven formula from practice that, that works. It still allows you some permutations as you continuously learn, add or modify your, your future um, uh, value stream. But the point is that you have the uh, the very crystal clear vision when you come to 
PIP. There are no unpleasant surprises. There are no dependencies to, to solve because everything has been already flashed out during upstream. And the whole thing, actually, the whole lifting has been done in the upstream at the, at the feature level. And the definition of ready for the features becomes those invest user story titles mm. that easily converted into the um, Cucumber feature files. And this is the whole cucumberization kicks in very effectively. And, and now, and, yeah, I'll just finish. And now with all the knowledge, you can run through the sprint instead of kind of going back and forth like, hey, I remember a few months ago we were talking about it and everyone forget and that, but they were thought it's so crystal clear, we estimated, and, you know, and, and all this overhead is now eliminated. The overhead is eliminated because we're shifting left. So at the feature level, the shift left is is that the feature has scenarios, even the Epic has scenarios if we go far enough mm-hmm. back. And now the team's backlog for their first sprint is 80% complete, meaning there's user stories. And those user stories are driven by uh, by Gherkinization or okay, do no, 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 no. Okay. What, what I mean by eighty percent complete, that means that once we define the feature for this particular PI, and the future say has been broken into into ten invest user stories, say in Raleigh or Jira in your agile tool, but that's that's the end of your kind of traditional agile um, formation. Now you move into Cucumber. Out of this user stories, you create feature files in Cucumber and Gherkinize it. You don't you don't execute, you don't implement steps. All you do is you Gherkinize your, uh, your first feature files to ensure that, okay, the first sprint backlog is 80% of users to, of those feature files that's already been Gherkinized. You might have 100 feature files in Cucumber, uh-huh. but you want to uh, based, based on your capacity, say for first sprint backlog, you organized um, eight feature files. For the second sprint backlog, you organized five feature files. And for the third, another five feature files. And by organization, I mean that everything, like all the uh, all these acceptance scenarios uh-huh. with all the steps, and the steps are dressed up with spec by example, meaning that all steps defined from validation standpoint and test data tables included in this feature file. That means organization. You are not starting ex- you are not starting running the scenarios. You'll run the scenarios during the sprint. You'll start building step definitions in the sprint, you'll start implementing implementing steps during the sprint. But Mm -hmm. that's the Mm -hmm. whole transparency, kind of clarity and commitment, delivering commitment coming in the sprint because you already organized. You know exactly what you're going to deliver. You know exactly what will it take to deliver. So when we think of shift left, that level of organization is happening before PIP or during PIP or where's the ideal place? Before. It's It's happened before PIP. So for that reason, and keep in mind, the whole shift left is the investment of front, right? Yeah. It's not a miracle that you are not, you, you spend a little more time, however, you spend more time uh, very effectively. So, in fact, yeah. it becomes less time because you bring the right people, all the organization is done by three amigos with a pool of resources that you identified. Did Mike say three amigos? And remember, wherever there is injustice, you will find us. Wherever there is suffering, we'll be there. Wherever liberty is threatened, 
you will find the three amigos. What this is, is a process where you bring in at least three different points of view together to do analysis on whether the BDD scenario is written correctly. So, it, and, and the kind of facilitation, it's, it's very efficient, like uh, Epic takes about one hour, uh, Feature takes about 45 minutes to fully develop uh, to get to the next level. And that allows you, because of the efficiency uh, of this um, decomposition, you can start working on the feature files to organize it before the PIP. Okay. And, and usually, when you transition from traditional agile to BDD, to shift left BDD, you need to do lots of catch-up. So in your cadence, instead of traditionally two times a week um, refinement, you need to do four or five times a week uh, your organization only for the first PI just to catch up uh, and build up those feature files, organized feature files in Cucumber. After that, you set yourself on autopilot and go to the um, traditional cadence. But with BDD, as as practice and metric shows, you'll deliver not like a little bit more. You'll deliver way more value with guaranteed quality, with zero defect, and you always meet expectations. Nice. That sounds like a dream. I love it. And uh, I've seen it happen. So it's not just a fantasy dream. It's a dream that we can reach. It's not a fantasy dream. We now, you know, like, say, five, six. We started the, the whole movement. I started, say, with United Health in 2009, ah. when the first kind of uh, Gherkin tools uh, showed up. Um, uh, it was uh, kind of invented by North. Uh, Dan North, right. Yes, yes. Dan North, Cucumber. And we very quickly capitalized on Cucumber and uh, start mastering it. Uh, eventually, from traditional Scrum, we moved to Scrumban as we kind of realized that it's the most efficient way because Scrum start holding us back, you know, since we see how quickly we can um, go through the VIP. And then eventually we make VIP equal one because they just you take one feature file, you immediately throw it through uh, cucumberization, and you the same day you see the outcome. And that also uh, lands, allow us to eliminate a number of environments. If I guarantee that, that uh, once my feature file with all scenarios pass, it meets customer expectations, no defect. Why do I need to do any more testing? Because the whole delivery pipeline will automatically rebuild the uh, uh, you know entire unit suit. So my integration regression guaranteed, and, and basically I can deliver 10, 20 times a day, going straight from Cucumber all the way to production. Bypassing wow. your test environment, integration oh, environment, okay. and, and, and look, look about from the savings perspective, you don't need to replicate the production environment into different um, environments. You don't even need to ask PO to accept your, your feature file because I guarantee that it will meet all the expectations because the PO was the one who drives actually proliferation of those acceptance uh, scenarios. Right. The, and the only thing you you have, you have development environment on the left side, you have your life or production on the right side, and I always encourage developer to continue come to the dev environment just to see, look, and feel. 
in addition okay. to the organization. That's All the right. whole kind of PO uh, role and responsibility in this in this process. Everything is simplified. And by the way, some POs actually they uh, when they got some proficiency, they step into the uh, SDAT domain mm. and start doing the things, uh, including programming and testing, wow. without even realizing that. Uh, and that becomes even uh, some conflicts because. Uh, was start stepping on the toes of uh, developers. Oh. Now, you, you <laughs> might ask another question. Why do you even need the testers if, uh, right. if software engineering tests can develop? And indeed, you will see that many teams get leaner and leaner with, with BDD implementation. They lose testers. It's just all it really takes, literally three people, BA, say PO, and developer uh -huh. to, do, to do the things. No, but yeah. the, to 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 um, to calm, you know, the uh, the leadership that no, we are not losing any headcount. We're just creating more teams that will continuously deliver more and more value on the same art. Nice. That's kind of the beauty of it too. So you can see potential savings from any angle, from uh, from the value, from the bottom line for the company, and how we satisfy the customer, and how we engage the customer at the same time. I should also mention that BDD is not necessarily, is not necessarily agile. It's more like agile DevOps or dev tests, like ops, like bringing the next level of agility, right? Okay. And and with that we kind of compress the things, we uh, maximize the efficiency, and and most importantly, we, we uh, comply with the three DevOps values. So system thinking, this is the most efficient system thinking you can, you can squeeze, you know, there's no any low-hanging fruit in, in, in this uh, landscape. Number two, you got quick feedback loops from dev to prod back to dev. That's it. And the third DevOps rule, which is continue learning and experimentation. With the results, I always encourage my team to experiment and be creative. Wouldn't it be great to develop new features with zero bugs? Deployment to production day doesn't have to be stressful. With some changes, it can be relaxing and just another day at the office. Are you a developer who has heard of test-driven development, but you haven't figured out how to apply it at work? If you have 90 minutes for a live over the web class, go to TDD Academy and sign up for my hands-on test-driven development coding dojo, TDD Academy. This series with Mike Kovkin about BDD started in episode 113. Go to the show archive by going to your favorite web browser and type in Lancer Agile Thoughts Archive. Next episode, more behavior-driven development. So let's see, systems thinking and BDD. Can you uh, explain how those two connect together?